to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleiner. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, the power of water and water life science. I'm going to be dating the show today. It's just a time that uh, we're experiencing the 9-11 attack on the United States of America with our Twin Towers and what happened with the Pentagon and the plane that went down in Pennsylvania. All the tragedy that led up to that and what happened. We're, commend- we're remembering that today of how vital and how important we embrace each other's life, each, each other's outlook, whether we agree with it or not. Embrace the outlook of somebody else's life. If they're not, so they won't destroy somebody or try to force them to believe in what they believe. If you're open-minded and embrace the outlook of freedom of religion, freedom of worship, freedom of prayer, freedom, freedom of outlook, and not want to harm or bully, or go after another person because they don't agree with you. I was watching an interview last night with somebody who got badgered, and they didn't even get upset. They just kept answering the questions. And that's what it's all about, is don't get upset. Just be respectful to somebody else's outlook that they can live their life for them while you're living your life for you. One day you might wake up and think, you know, I somewhat agree with something about it, the way they talked, the way their philosophy and thinking is. You never know. Be open-minded to the future. And that's what this planet, nature, is all about. And then we've had Hurricane Harvey in Texas where people had to come together and work together and the neighborhoods that are getting together to help each other throughout all of Texas and throughout the country. Then we had the hurricane in all of Florida and moving into these other states. We're all having to be together. doesn't care what size your house is. doesn't make any difference if you made some bad judgments and you didn't prepare the way you should. People don't, aren't going to question that. They're going to jump in and help each other to have a comeback. And that's what our lives are all about, is helping each other and going forward with our lives. Now the power of water. We're all seeing what the power of water is. And as I've been educating you for 11 years, with the show being called the power of water, and we now we include water, life, science, is without the water, there'd be no life. Without the water, there'd be no atmosphere to keep you alive. You're living when you've lived in the womb of your mother, in that pocket of water. You're nourished. You're prepared. Each of those organs are developing a percentage of water to give you the life you need until you're passed away. And you die. Once you enter into the atmosphere, the air, all of a sudden there's another womb. 
that womb of water is nature's method and nature's way of how Earth began to live. Is that womb of water called water vapor and atmosphere? That atmospheric water vapor keeps you alive. Now, when we have these storms and they're out there developing throughout the world, it's a tragedy. But we know they're coming. We know that Earth is make on a, has a motion and it lives with the solar system. We know that how we live on this planet with all the pavement, the steel buildings, windmills changing the atmosphere, solar panels heating up and changing the vapor and cha- doing it in movement, we know our inventions could be doing something that we're not quite sure about that changes the atmosphere and the water vapor of the air. How do we know? We need, to, we need to learn. We need to start technology to invent that learns how to live the way we want to live, but make sure that we're not over-evaporating the atmosphere. Earth had a blue circle clear around this whole cir- circle of Earth at, at one time. That was water vapor. But when that vapor began to evaporate, that vapor had a temperature that began a slow and careful evaporation of rain coming down. And when that rain came down, all of a sudden, after billions of years, here we sit. This is where we're at today. But do we take it for granted that we don't want Earth to be here for eternity? You need to new, develop new technology of how to live with all of this. We're all in this together, and we all need to respect each other. And sometimes when I see people get so angry and so frustrated and so emotional caught up in their own selfishness for their own personal selfish moment, stop and think about people in Texas and Florida, and around the world that are having challenges to live just the freedom of choice. And sometimes things happen in nature that change that choice, but we don't dare say it can't be accomplished to challenge it. We will challenge, and we'll help each other. And we will respect each other for the freedom of their religion, their worship and prayer, and their outlooks and where they're coming from as long as they respect somebody else too and be fair. Today we have a real exciting show. We have Nancy Ballman, and she's over in Montana. She's a PhD. I'm sorry, it's Marcy Barman. Pardon me. Marcy And we're going to be talking, she represents the Lung Association. And we're going to learn more about what's happening with the lungs on this planet. And uh, we'll hear about what's probably happening with all of this tragedy with the lungs and health in Texas, Montana, Texas and, and Florida and around the world of what they're experiencing and what they're learning and the lack of education to every individual about their own lungs. Listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears I Missed, 
last night we got a, um, a report from WeChat in China, and they've been selling thousands and thousands and thousands of Nature's Tears I missed in China. And they're excited that people in China believe that Nature's Tears I missed, breath of and vision, will be their new lifestyle. And it's coming from America with new technology. We'll listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears I missed, with just a mist of tissue culture grade of water. And we'll come back with Marcy. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Marcy, are you with us? Yes, I am. Well, thank you for joining us. And you're over in Montana, here in the United yes. States. And yes, I am. Thank you so much for having me. You're a Ph.D., and I always ask our guests, why did you decide to be where you're at today with your career and, and where you're going? That's a wonderful question. So I joined the American Lung Association about a year and a half ago, and it was really a natural fit following completing my Ph.D. at the University of Montana. I was working with kids with asthma that lived in homes with wood stoves and trying to improve their indoor air quality and subsequently their quality of life. And so once I completed my Ph.D. and got a position with the American Lung Association, also working with asthma, working with clinics, and kind of continuing down that road. And I love the nonprofit sector. I love doing great things for these people, and it's really been great. Okay, so in school, you decided to get into research with the lungs, was that your primary focus, or this just just turned out to be part of your focus? I would say it turned out to be part of my focus. So my PhD is in toxicology, and when I entered the program, I didn't know what lab I would ultimately be joining. So I did a little bit of neuroscience with brain toxicology and then moved into the respiratory system and just ended up really enjoying that lab and the work that they were doing. So it was a little serendipitous that I ended up with the respiratory system mm-hmm. here in Montana, and now we're dealing with these horrific wildfires, and it's very pertinent. 
Right, it is. Um, now, um, you did pick out one. I don't know if you knew this, but I've been in research for over 30 years studying the behavior of over the evaporation of human bodies, water law. And Great. you've got one there that needs much more research, uh, the lungs and the respiratory um, focus of what is causing individuals to have a problem with their lungs and what, what is the lung function to the rest of the body. Do you want to be, as a PhD, you can explain that. What is the function of the lung for the rest of the body's organ? Sure. So the lungs offer the exchange interface for our environment and our body, for really what we're breathing in. So our body and all the tissues in our body need oxygen. So in order to get oxygen to our body, we breathe it in through our lungs. It is exchanged at the deepest, deepest reaches of the lungs, the little sacs called alveolar sacs. That's where the oxygen is exchanged into the blood and distributed through the circulatory system throughout the body. The lungs are also equally important for gassing off CO2 out of your blood. So in your systems, as your organs use oxygen, they um, excrete CO2 and it needs to get out. That's carbon dioxide. And it's carried back with the blood back to the lungs. And that's what you exhale. So the inhale, exhale is necessary for life of all humans. And that's for oxygen exchange and CO2 exchange. What is the effect of, of the lungs? How important is the lungs function for the rest of the organs of the body? Oh, they're extremely important. So if you, if you think about the saying that when you can't breathe, nothing else matters, that's one of the former mottos of the American Lung Association. And it really rings true that if you can't breathe, then really nothing else matters. Uh, your brain will quickly sh- shut down without oxygen. Your brain is one of the highest oxygen-using organs in your body. And you'll just quickly pass out, and your body will do whatever it takes to, to make you breathe. So if it takes making you unconscious and then you'll start regularly breathing, that's why as adults we can't hold our breath until we pass out consciously. Um, our body will make us breathe. So it's extremely important, vital to life. Mm-hmm. So is this education, uh, is it out there enough? Are you satisfied that people are educated? I think that people are educated about the importance of their lungs, but I think where there's a lack of education is the things that can impact your lungs' health. And you, people think about outdoor air quality and indoor air quality as being nice and clean, and we have this great big atmosphere full of this wonderful clean air. But for the majority of the world, both indoor and air, outdoor air pollutants can contribute to not just poor lung health, but poor health in general. So inhaling certain toxicants from outdoor sources and indoor sources have been linked to diseases outside the respiratory system. So we can see increases in strokes and heart attacks from pollution that is being exposed to your body through the lungs. Do you really believe after all your studies, that people have been educated enough about their lungs? Well, I mean, maybe for someone who really pays attention in school that the information is out there, 
But I think if you were to ask a co- an average person on the street, you know, what do your lungs do and why are they important, that they could get there. But whether or not they treat and respect their lungs, you know, with the treatment that they deserve is maybe another question. Maybe people don't think about um, what they're doing to their lungs on a day-to-day basis. Right. And now with the Lung Association, I'm hoping that I'm going to hear this answer. You're teaching that breathing exercises are vital. I would say so. I mean, I don't, I don't know if we have a direct program that um, goes to achieve that aim, but I think that we would promote that, it's especially for oxygen saturation, and you get to kind of more of the medical side of it. That is extremely important for personal health in so many ways. Um, your body's health, but also your mental health. As I mentioned, your brain using all of that oxygen, then um, efficient breathing can really make a huge difference in your body. Yeah, something you might look into, Marcy, in your group, is getting somebody who is an authority on breathing exercises and start that education among uh, all of your, uh, with all of your clinics that you put on and and speaking groups, and, and get, it, get it out there, because breathing exercises are vital. What's happening to what I learned with over-evaporation, a body water loss, it goes on from birth, in the pocket of the water in the mother's womb, we're breathing in that. Now, is the mother breathing correctly? Probably no. Education. Because it's something they overlooked long ago. Other countries, no, they didn't. But most of the world has. Is those breathing exercises are vital because you can't take for granted your your breathing of the atmosphere of that water vapor is going to be an exercise each day. You may just take it for granted. And because of the communications of our life today and the way we're living, sometimes we're forced the stress, emotions around us, maybe not a good diet, maybe uh, the atmosphere's air that we're breathing, indoor conditions of forced air heating and cooling inside of insulated windows and walls and chemistry in those uh, environments, that maybe the atmosphere is not agreeing with only one person in that whole home or in that room. But breathing exercises gives the opportunity to, like, like you said, you breathe in, but you've got to let out that carbon dioxide. And the skin might not be able to remove and detoxify at all. So it's something you might consider. We bring on the show people from around the world that are experts in breathing. We have scientists from all walks of life. But we also got into Qigong and Tai Chi and more about what they were teaching about for people as individuals to learn how to, their whole, all those organs in the body need to have, have a breath, need to breathe. And the exercise should not be taken for granted because from birth, in fact, there's so much that we're giving, we're going home with those babies that we're not given classes 
all these volunteers, I was a volunteer forever. I'm in, I'm in my 70s now. I'm 75. As a young woman, I'm the founder of many things. But when I look back on it, if we had had volunteers promoting an organization, that when that mother and father go home with that baby from the first day, they've already had a class in the hospital about things they should be thinking about for that baby. Breathing would be one of them. Drinking water, emphasis, number two. If you don't breathe right and you have to drink enough water without juices in it or anything else in it, but the proper nutrition to digest, those three things and emotions and, and outlook on life are so important to that breathing. That baby can go home not with just brochures, but a, a quick class mm-hmm. or a video of a class that they could even take home. Right. And I'll bet they'd look at the video because they're always looking at other film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, How old is the uh, Lung Association? How long have they been around? Well, the Lung Association is one of the oldest nonprofits that exist in the United States. They actually started um, doing the Christmas seals where they were raising awareness and um, money for research for tuberculosis. Mm -hmm. So around the turn of the century when there was no treatment for tuberculosis and we were moving children around and isolating them in quarantine and trying to move them to certain climates that seemed to be better for tuberculosis. Mm -hmm. Um, And then throughout the years, the mission of the Lung Association has stayed the same to um, promote lung health and prevent lung disease. Mm -hmm. And it's just changed with the years with more that we've known about different states of diseases. And as now tuberculosis is much less prevalent and can be prevented, we've changed our emphasis to other lung diseases. So, that is true. Way back there for a while, quite a while. In fact, my mother had TB for not that long, but she did have it. Mm-hmm. Um, when I look back on it, what did they do to start changing that? Because it was people, a lot of people had TB way back in the 20s and the 30s and the 40s. What did they do to prevent that? I think the vaccination process became um, more widespread and um, Mm -hmm. better accepted, and that's what really drove the tuberculosis rates down as it started to become a more common vaccination, and Mm -hmm. the disease became much less prevalent. Mm -hmm. Now, what are some of the more common lung disease problems today, diseases? Absolutely. So asthma is a huge one in children and also in adults. Uh, now, let's take one at a time here. With the okay. children with asthma, how, how common is that today? Nationally, it's about 1 in 10 children. About mm-hmm. 10% of American children have asthma. Now, those rates change in urban areas, tends to be higher than in rural areas. And also in areas of low social economic status also tends to be higher. So in urban and also poor areas, you see higher rates of asthma in children. Mm-hmm. Now in the, in the asthma, 
with some of these. What about secondhand smoke? People who smoke. Mm-hmm. That common. So, secondhand smoke exposure is a huge issue for children and adults with asthma. So, what we refer to tobacco smoke as an irritant in those people with lung disease. So, individuals that have asthma, whether it be a child or an adult, if they're exposed to secondhand smoke, it can trigger their asthma, and then they can go into an asthma episode or an asthma attack where their symptoms are made worse, and they either have to take their medication or, you know, seek clean air Mm -hmm. away from that secondhand smoke. Before we move on, what are some of the youngest ages of children that are born with asthma? Sure. So clinically, there's a couple of things that doctors need to verify in order to officially diagnose asthma. And one of those things is lung function testing or what's known as spirometry. That can normally be done when a child is around five years old. But children as young as two, especially if there's clinical suspicion, say the parent may have asthma, brother may have asthma, and wheezing. Now, not everything that wheezes is asthma, but if there's, they have a sneaking suspicion that a child as young as two or three may have asthma, you can see kids that young being prescribed medication to treat those symptoms. Mm-hmm. Okay, now what are some of the other uh, lung diseases? Sure, so another really common one is chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, or what we call COPD. And that's kind of all-encompassing now what clinically used to be called emphysema, or chronic bronchitis, now we call that COPD. So that's similar to asthma in that it is a chronic disease and it never goes away, but the difference with COPD is we commonly see it in older adults and it is not reversible. Asthma, you can take medication and reverse those symptoms. COPD is kind of a slow march down the road with your lung function decreasing and it can never go back. How common is that today? I am not sure of the statistics right off the top of my head, but I know it's becoming more and more common, and there's more awareness with a new syndrome that they're calling asthma COPD overlap syndrome, mm-hmm. where individuals that have had asthma their entire life, start their asthma starts to look more like COPD, and then they do eventually develop COPD. So it's something now that the people who smoke, or do these vapors, mm-hmm. um, what is the common statistic that they would get that? So not all, not all smokers get COPD, but uh, smoking cigarettes is considered a huge risk factor for the development of COPD because COPD is really that irreversible lung damage and um, mm-hmm. direct cigarette smoke exposure is going to contribute hugely to that. Okay, let's um, say a person, Marcy, and you're a PhD, so I can ask this. Let's say a person um, has a lung function that is weak. What does that do to the rest of the functioning of the the organs of the body? Let's say the heart. Let's say the brain. What is that going Mm -hmm. to do in time? Absolutely. So one of the most common symptoms of people who have lung disease that's not well controlled is shortness of breath. And if you think about everything that shortness of breath can be tied to, it's going to limit your activity. It's going to limit your ability to think clearly. If you think about trying to hold your breath and, you know, 
perform complex decision making um, that can really hinder that. So again, with and I really liked what you were saying before about taking for granted that I think people will take their lungs for granted and take their lung function for granted until they start to lose it. And that's when people really are motivated to make changes is when they realize how important it is to have that full lung function. Because if you have shortness of breath going up a flight of stairs, you know, if you're not able to complete a round of golf or do fun activities like that, then, you know, your your way of life is going to be significantly changed. Now, we're going to take a break here in a minute, but I'd like to hear, because the reason I'm going to ask you some of these things, because you are a PhD, you're not just a physician, mm-hmm. you've done a lot mm-hmm. of study. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll come back to this. Let's say the lungs are having, there's a lung disease or uh, weakness. What does it do if the individual gets a disease, like cancer or heart problems? What does that do? We'll be talking about that when we get back. Okay, we'll listen to our sponsor. Don't go anywhere. We'll listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears I Mist, with tissue culture grade of water, 100% water, with a technology to mist for dry eye. But in China, they're finding you can use it for dry eye, and it is amazing, but it also can be used for that breath of life to be able to breathe when the atmosphere is polluted or there's not enough breath for the individuality so that every time they missed for the eyes to be able to absorb the moisture 100% coming from the vapor of the air at your fingertips that you're able to breathe it at the same time and it's selling by thousands we'll talk to a we'll be back and talk to Marcy in a minute we'll listen to our sponsor and we'll be right back it just missed The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're listening to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Marcy, um, what happens when, let's say, a person has lung, lung weaknesses and they have, get a disease like heart disease or cancer or any of the other diabetes or any of the other diseases? What happens 
when their lungs are not functioning to assist it because the lungs are between 80 and 85% of water. And that becomes my research, is that functioning of each organ and the amount of water that it must maintain. It's like the surface of the eye is 99% water. So when that baby's eyelid opens, that evaporation begins immediately, and that baby needs to maintain for, for eternity the water on the surface of the eye. If the atmosphere, water vapor, is not absorbing to assist that baby because there's no two eyes alike, fingerprints and more, the eyes will begin to have a weakness called vision impairment. And because the eyes and the brain at the same time in the womb at the same breath are connected for nature's purpose, for the brain to be able to carry that from behind, because the brain, as you know, is 80 to 85% water. So what happens to the functioning of the rest of those organs with the, the percentage of water they must maintain to function? What do you think is happening if the person has a lung weakness when they have a disease? Is there something you need to think about? So I think that it can be pretty treacherous if you have a lung disease and then another coexisting chronic condition. But another thing about lung disease is that exposure to environmental pollution and contaminants can make, can make even a healthy person more susceptible to respiratory infections. So those with asthma or COPD, as I mentioned, or lung cancer if they're not having that full lung cleansing of the environmental contaminants or if environmental pollution is overwhelming their lungs, then they can end up being more susceptible to a respiratory infection, which, as you can imagine, if you have another condition like cancer or diabetes or some other issue, having a respiratory infection can become more life-threatening than if you didn't. What about atrial fibrillation that is becoming more common today? Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a lung problem. Yeah, so I think a really important thing to consider is that if you were to open up your lungs and spread the entire surface area out of where all that oxygen and CO2 exchange is happening, it's the size of the surface area of a tennis court. That's a lot of opportunity for things to come in into your body. And um, it's a huge issue with environmental pollutants and how that can affect overall health. Something that I've noticed in research that hasn't been educated, but maybe it's because they don't know what to do with it. They probably have another uh, legal profession class suits going on. But indoor conditions, I was studying for the years, a forced air heating and cooling with insulated windows and walls. And Marcy, with your PhD background, uh, you know that that causes an, an enclosure to where someone living, that doesn't have to be everyone in the home or that building, can have an impact with what's going on with the chemistry 
of lack of atmosphere that is healthy for them or the chemistry of the upholstery and the paints and what goes on behind those insulated windows and walls and that forced air heating and cooling. Have you ever so studied any of that? Yes, I have. So I worked pretty extensively with indoor air quality and I think it is greatly underappreciated the impact of the indoor environment on our health, not just our respiratory health, but our overall health, because studies have shown that we spend about 90% of our time indoors. So think about if you're sleeping, wake up, go to work, you spend, if you spend all of your workday indoors and then come home and maybe get an opportunity to be outside in the meantime. But this indoor environment, like you said, with the walls and the windows, it's very easy for pollutants to build up over time as the building material off-gasses, and there are um, many things that are triggers for individuals with lung issues that we really want to try to avoid, and there's started to be more of a movement for green cleaning materials and green building materials, but not just what's making up your home with that green cleaning. Think about all the chemicals we use clean our homes, and those also build up in our indoor environment, and we're breathing a lot of that in. So it may be more relevant to those with lung disease, but I think it's relevant for everybody if they care about their health and what they're exposed to than to take a look at your indoor environment, and you can make a huge change in what you're exposed to by changing your indoor environment. Now, have you studied the air conditioning and the heating and cool- the forced air heating and cooling? So, so my experience with forest air and air conditioning would be uh, the main thing would be dryness, and then the main thing with forest air heating is recirculation of those pollutants and potential asthma triggers and lung irritants, um, especially if people aren't changing out their fil- furnace filter units as much as they should. So that's something that we strongly promote is to make sure that your furnace filter is clean and has been recently changed. Um, and then if you know need to try to deal with dry conditions, can be an extra irritant as well. Yeah, the, the, I would say the number one irritant to check into for your group is going to be the water vapor in the atmosphere. See, that vapor becomes your womb of life once you're born and you leave your mother. And that womb has been under-researched of the planet Earth's atmosphere. That is keeping people alive. So everything else comes second. That's why that breathing and that water to drink uh, is vital. And now we're learning, as you've learned, I'm sure, the nutrition is also important. But inside that insulated window and wall, forced, air conditioning and heating is changing the atmosphere's vapor. And then, uh, you know, have you ever walked past a window when the sun was shining and you saw all those dust particles mm-hmm. in the air? Yep. You know how much of that is skin shedding yeah. in the air. So yep. where is it going if there's insulated windows and walls? It's grabbing onto the water vapor of the atmosphere like glue. And everybody's being forced to breathe that because of the, of the insulated windows and walls. Why do you think they invented insulated windows and walls? 
Well, living in Montana, it's pretty easy to think for the majority of the year as it's so cold that, you know, we want a nice, comfortable home environment. So I think that that's probably the primary reason we invented uh, insulated windows and walls. And Way back in time, Marcy, they did it for money. Because the power, they knew, took a lot of water. So they thought that this would conserve environmentally the power that people would have to have to maintain just what you said. Right. And what they didn't know is they were slowly going to be killing people. Slowly. Because you don't know which person is going to be affected. Now, have you noticed with all of this that uh, there's a lot of diseases that are coming into, let's say, the market, into our sadness of our life on this planet, but very few cures, the word cure. And way back in time, they were finding cures about uh, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, 70 years ago. They were looking for cures, not remission. Mm-hmm. My concern, and I'd like to challenge your organization and your background as a doctor, is where are, where are we not wanting to get a cure? Are they thinking it's going to be hopeless? Because those remissions, uh, I was talking to somebody, their wife is dying after many, many, many years of Crohn's disease, and the mm-hmm. money to keep her alive, the cost of the medications and the treatments are, can you imagine what it's costing people? Mm-hmm. But there's no cure. They're just in remission. Now, I'm going to ask you something else. Have you and your organization studied how many people go to the hospital with a disease? are a symptom, but all of a sudden they get pneumonia and they die when they didn't have pneumonia when they went to the hospital. How common is that? Oh, boy, I don't know how common it is, but I know that it is a huge concern and that we do have programs around awareness around pneumonia, around awareness around getting your flu vaccine because uh, if you have the flu if you do end up getting the flu, then you get more likely to get pneumonia. Um, and then there's also injuries that if you go into the hospital for, let's say, a rib injury or a chest injury, they watch you very closely to see if you develop pneumonia because it comes back to breathing. If you can't do your full tidal breath, then there's some air that kind of sits stagnant in your lungs. And it's a breeding ground for that bacteria that can lead to pneumonia. So... There is a lot of awareness around that and how those rates have increased over the past couple of decades. Have you noticed there's a lot of pneumonia out there that's happening every year, increasing? It's yeah, and that's shocking. That's, and that's, yeah. been, that's been seen in the studies, too, and that, you know, you start to um, become more and more aware of the uh, antibiotic-resistant bacteria strains, and I think that's a huge concern within the medical field is to do everything they can that that doesn't happen with pneumonia because that could be a very uh, deadly situation in hospitals. Okay, I've got one more question, and we're going to move on to the crisis 
of what's going on with the flooding and the hurricanes and what's going to happen to people's health there. But mm-hmm. I want to ask you about stem cell transplants and lungs. How much have you learned and how are you educating your um, population that if they have a stem cell transplant and, the, and what happens to the lungs? So to be honest with you, I am not very familiar with stem cell treatments for lungs. Um, no, I don't mean for lungs. I mean, oh, if okay. a person goes in to have a stem cell transplant, the effect it has to the lungs. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay. Um, so, but I guess I see what you mean, but unfortunately I don't have a great answer because I'm really not aware of any studies that have found how that impacts the lungs, but I would hope that that would be something that's coming down the pipeline of research of, of how that's going to impact your whole body's health. Yeah, wouldn't you say with your background that if you're having a stem cell transplant, it would obviously affect the lungs. That makes common sense, doesn't it? Yeah, I would. I would say that it would obviously affect the lungs now, depending on the the type of cells that you're going to be regenerating. Um, Mm -hmm. All lung diseases involve some type of cellular misfunction down at that level. So if you can create a new population of cells that don't have that misfunction, then then you're not going to have that issue anymore. Mm -hmm. Now let's go over to what probably would be a master for you is what's happening in the United States with the, the hurricanes in Texas and, and in uh, Florida with the horrible flooding mm-hmm. and the contamination to the air uh, caused by the water. And uh, what is your thinking that people should be considering? Uh, with Then they won't have any drinking water except for the bottled mm-hmm. water. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing, Marcy. I get so disappointed at the people complaining about these drinking water companies taking water out of the ground, making money to put it in a bottle and sell it. You know, what is the first thing a person does when they have no water? They go Mm -hmm. buy it. Can you imagine the scarcity of the water that's available in those states right now? that may not have enough of that bottle of water. Right. Because there wasn't enough bottled. Right. But what is your education to this to the uh, audience on these tragedies to be thinking about with the contaminated water around them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a couple of things that as the American Lung Association, we want to try to educate people on when there are natural disasters like this. Um, one of them is to not neglect any conditions that they have um, in these emergency scenarios. So making sure that you have enough of your controller medication, that you have enough of your rescue medication so that you don't get in a situation where you're having to deal with your uh, lung health when you're away from home. So that's kind of first and foremost. But the follow-up of what will be happening in Houston and in Florida similar to what we saw in New Orleans after Katrina, is mold and mold exposure. And in these wet climates, now where you've had this flooding of homes, in order for mold to grow, all you need is a water source and an organic material and a little bit of time. 
and the mold will start to grow. And it's when it becomes airborne that it becomes an issue for respiratory health. And you could be looking again at pneumonia, respiratory infections, and then just triggering of other respiratory issues. So let's educate, excuse me for interrupting, real quickly. People take into our society today because the words are just out there by trillions of descriptions of words. Why is it that mold causes that kind of disease or weakness or contamination? What, why is it mold that does that? Sure. So I guess first thing to mention is that not all mold is bad. Mold got a really bad rap. Uh, 20 to 25 years ago, people started to think that if you see mold, then it's a, you know, you're going to get a lung infection and there's going to be all these issues. But not all mold is bad for your health. But some mold that can grow in your drywall or in your building materials in your home, uh, the way that it affects your lung health is that mold wants that wet, warm environment to grow. You don't see mold growing on the ground in the snow or in a puddle in the wintertime. It's because it needs to be a fairly warm environment. And warm and wet is also a really good way to describe what, ta- what your lungs are like. In your body, they're warm and they're wet. You need your lungs to be wet for that oxygen and CO2 exchange that I talked about earlier. And it's just warm from your body temperature. So that's why mold can have such an impact on your lung health is because that same mold that can grow in your walls of your home can set up shop and grow in your lungs and essentially be uh, an infection that your body is going to work to fight off. So the mold changes, it causes a contamination to the atmosphere's water vapor in that building, that home, that spot. Yes, it can, depending on where it grows in the home. It could be under the carpeting. If the carpet gets wet and isn't properly dried um, in flooded situations, you know, it's really important to remove that drywall and any of the trim or framing of the house that got soaking wet. So unless it can get completely dried um, without any mold that has grown in it, then it needs to be replaced in these places that have had extensive flooding. Okay, we're out of time. What would you like to say to the audience throughout the world uh, about the Lung Association very quickly? You've got about a minute left. Yeah, I would like to welcome anyone at any time to contact the Lung Association um, with any questions on their lung health. We have a lung hotline that is um, 1-800-LUNG-USA, and that's staffed by members that speak many, many, many different languages. So at any time, we'll have doctors, nurses, respiratory therapists, any questions, 1-800-LUNG-USA or visit lung.org for resources in your community. Okay, and I hope one thing you and your organization start stressing is drinking a lot of water priority and and breathing exercises. Because breathing exercises and drinking a lot of water is the primary focus of everyone's health. But thank you for joining us today. You have a good day, and I hope to have you on again someday. Thank you so much for having me. You have a nice day. Bye. You too. Thank you. Well, we did learn a lot today, and we do have a crisis. We do have a crisis going on in the United States 
and our hearts and our prayers with God's speed with everybody in Texas, everybody in Florida, and all those states that are being affected by nature, the hurricane, and the power of water. We wish you well, and our hearts are with you, and I know you know America's with you. Uh, We need to know that when we're helping each other, that the world out there that we have helped throughout the world during crises, that we know that people throughout the world will come to America and offer their assistance. We live in 50 states. The 50 states that our forefathers divided into like little countries are very helpful to each other. And that's what is happening right now is they're coming out of the woodwork of our country uh, through borders to borders to borders to assist each other in our country, to help each other, to survive and pick up. I was noticing on some of the news on Fox television the other day that some of the little communities, the communities, were working hard all day and having a block party at night. You know, way back in time, we can fight those wars, but it's good to hear the music at night and maybe dance a rhythm or two and understand that each of our lives has got to have a vision, an outlook, a positive. And that's what keeps us going with that respect I talked about earlier. We all can have a bigger house than maybe somebody else's house. We could have something that somebody else doesn't have yet, but we all know that we're here together to help each other. And success in life is responding to people who need us. So I want to thank you for listening today. Embrace your life every moment. But as you're learning in America, we brace the world and its life too. But Earth Whispers, don't take it all with you. Leave something special of yourself to be the legacy behind for all those children for generations to come. I want to thank you for listening, and you be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel with an encore Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com.